If you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to take them and turn with me to 1 John chapter 4, that very text that Daniel just shared with our little ones. Thank you, Daniel, for ministering to those little ones. And also thank you for Daniel preaching last weekend while we were away. I am blessed to have so many good and godly men to surround me to fill the pulpit. You guys don't miss a beat when I am gone. I want to welcome every one of you this morning to Big Woods Bible Church. We have already been blessed. We, we have been brought before the throne in worship. You, you realize what we get to do this morning is unique. People around the world don't have this privilege to, to gather like this and just to sing loud and beautiful, to celebrate God's goodness and God's grace ultimately to bring glory to the Lord. We have so much to be thankful for. It is a delight to see our brother Todd Karstetter here. We've been praying for you, our brother, in this most difficult journey. We love you. We're proud of you, and Cheryl especially um, being alongside. It's great as well to have Pastor Aaron and Brianna and Zay and Eleanor safely back with us as well um, from their kind of missions assignment this past year. And so we are just so delighted to have the Badorf family back. Also, just a note, this is the last week that Seth and Emily, um, our missionaries overseas as well, that will be here. They'll be heading off um, on Wednesday. If you get an opportunity to greet them and encourage them, um, I know that it would be greatly, greatly appreciated. We will miss the little ones just this morning. As a matter of fact, as I was um, kind of preparing for um, this time together, Theo and Levi were hunting imaginary bear in our front yard. And I asked them as they were, you know, on mission, do, do black bears come to church as well? Do black bears? Theo, the littlest one, said, absolutely not. He said, only boys and ladies come to church. So welcome, boys and ladies that are here this morning. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we commit our time to the Lord together? <clears throat> Father, we thank you. Our, our hearts are full with gratitude, the privilege that you have given to us. Your word opened up before us, a word that comes directly from you that is perfect. It offers us everything we need food for the hungry and water for the thirsty. And I pray, Lord, now and together corporately with brothers and sisters and ones that have gathered that you would nourish and strengthen and encourage and edify us through this time. May, Lord, ultimately you be the focus. Father, we thank you for your care for us. We thank you, Lord, as well for those that have come and gathered this morning that perhaps are in the midst of, of difficult struggles and seasons that are, are suffering under the weight and pressures of everyday life and the pressures of this world. God, our prayer is that you would minister to hearts, that your word would seep deep into souls and strengthen them and remind them of the important things in life. And that we, Lord, would go from your house 
on your day into the world that you've created for us that we would be bright, shining lights of grace and mercy and love just as you've shown to us. Father, I personally just plead for help that everything that is said and done this morning would bring glory to you and you alone. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. We ask this in the amazing and matchless and wonderful name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. We're um, continuing on in our series, our summer series, um, Church 101, why we do what we do. Some, some of the, the interesting things, preaching and praying and serving and giving, and we've looked at leadership, how we function and make decisions. Last week, Daniel looked at fellowship. Today, I want to consider this idea of membership, church membership. Lord willing, when you hear this word membership, I hope your mind goes to this idea of covenant. We covenant together, or the word commitment. And this morning, I want us to consider this question. Consider this question, how is the commitment that we make to other people at church different in kind than other commitments that we make in our life? Why, why is this unique by way of a commitment that we make in membership? As I noted earlier, this entire summer study was based on Capitol Hill's um, core classes and this has been under church life and so we've kind of massaged it and presented it in a way that fits the context here at Big Woods but but Capitol Hill made a very interesting observation I want to share with you and it makes a clear distinction between two things the first is the natural commitment of this world and the second is the commitment of local church membership so see them as Two, the first one we want to consider is this. Natural commitment of this world is what I call comfort-based. Number one, natural commitment of this world is comfort-based. Commitment is something we know that the world clearly understands. Any one of you out there, people today are committed, what? To spouses, to their families, to their children and raising them. People are committed to their jobs. People have a commitment that they make to their school or what? Their favorite team, their favorite vacation spot, their favorite restaurant or music. One way I've learned about people is actually, and we did a lot of driving this past week, is looking at the back of people's cars. And they actually reveal a lot, oftentimes, not always, but a lot of times, you can learn, oh, so they went to this school, pit over pen, and you should learn about their alma mater, or they learn whether or not they're, they're a Chevy fan, or a Ford fan, or an Eagles, or Steelers. They, you learn about hobbies. And when you're driving many, many hours, as we did this past week up to northern Maine, we, we, we are entertained at some level. Recently, I saw some bumper stickers. One of them said this, exercise, question mark. I thought you said extra fries. You know, you can learn about people, whether or not they're kind of sarcastic, whether or not sadly rude or, or kind of crude even. Um, I like this one. This bumper sticker is really just hiding a dent. And you guys have some of these, I know. And I like this one. 
kind of a morbid view of life. It is as bad as you think. And yes, they are out to get you. We just really don't need any, any more of that today. Um, this one, some of you can identify with. You had me at bacon. The last one, zero to 60, eventually. So we learn about people, personalities, in a sense, by what they are committed to. People are committed to churches, but the question is, why exactly do people commit to churches? And I think why, that's where people vary in a lot of different directions. And I would say that it's pretty common for people to commit to churches in the same way that you commit to anything else in this world, through a comfort-based Commitment. Let me illustrate a little bit for you on, on this idea of what it means to be comfort-based in our commitments. H how do you choose an Apple over Android? How do you choose Levi's over Wranglers or Nike over Adidas? H how, in a sense, do you do this? Basically, what happens, I find, is that people watch other people. And then you're like, hmm, I, I wonder what that Black & Decker leaf blower works like and you borrow one and once you borrow one and you've tried it and you know other people have kind of talked about it and then you go and you read reviews about that particular item and finally what happens i'm just going to bite the bullet i'm going to buy it i'm in i am in the club it it, it works good it looks good. You like the way that it makes you feel. You get to blow all the leads and all the, whatever it is. It's comfortable for you. And so what happens? You're wearing it. You're repping it. And it really doesn't take a whole lot for you to kind of begin to like, you wouldn't believe. You can be standing in a line. And it just, you kind of just like burst out. My feet are like so comfortable in these slip-on sketchers. Like it, just, it just bleeds out of us. Yeah, these are the same ones Tony Romo wears. Like, that's us. We talk about what we like, what we're comfortable. And we're in. We're in the club, and you get in pretty deep. For a lot of Christians, that's what it looks like for a church. A church begins by emphasizing or advertising. Come here, right Zero expectations. You just, just walk in the door, just kind of crawl yourself in, and what? It is going to be a great place for you to, to prosper morally, to raise your children. It'll be safe to educate them. You can find community here. Lots of parking, decent coffee, and you can kind of feel close to God. And so after a period of time, what happens is you begin to meet other people. Generally, what happens is that you, you, you work in pods where you meet people that are like you, and maybe you attend a small group or volunteer somehow to serve in some kind of ministry, and you find this, what? So fulfilling. The more comfortable you feel, in a sense, the more committed. And what happens in churches, it usually happens three different ways. One, through service. So I'm going to be part of the, the, the car parking team. And we kind of wade in slowly after a while. Or another one is what? Community. We find people that look like us, talk like us, went to school where we went. And we have this sense of belonging. And we like this. 
Or else other times what happens is that we go through legitimate life struggles. And there's someone, uh, an elder, a small group leader, a pastor, ministry leader, who kind of journeys with you along like a legitimate life problems. And so there's this emotional connection that we make to the church. Now with this model, commitment happens over a period of time. Commitment is a process. And you see the church community meeting your needs. You become to feel more comfortable. And thus what? I'm going to wade in deeper and I'm more and more committed to that. So that we smooth the path to make it in such a way that what? Hopefully we can attract people as consumers and over a period of time hopefully they'll grow to be providers to support the sacrifice now let me say that at some level this all sounds good at some level this is good at some level it's slow it's comfortable ultimately it does result in where we're trying to get people to a point of commitment but i think at churches and i would say the big ones even at times and seasons in our own history have moved forward with that particular plan in place so i'm not saying it's it's all wrong i just want to present i want to consider a little bit different so we're going to kind of stretch our minds this morning to challenge you with some thoughts that I think are a little bit different when it comes to the importance and priority of church membership, commitments, covenanting together. First one is this, comfort-based commitment falls short, I believe, of what it fully means to be a Christian. The New Testament nowhere treats believers like we're consumers. We don't see that in Scripture. And then eventually, over time, as we grow, we move to be providers. That's not really what we see in the New Testament. What happens is that when you make a profession of faith, it automatically, what, assumes that you're in. That you're going to be part of this body and you'll be committed. So much so that we are in a relationship that is deep and meaningful. We sacrifice for one another, and it's very, very intentional. You open up your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. I want to back it up just a little bit. Verse 18 through verse 21. The word of the Lord. Here it is. I know it took a little while to get there, but here we go. There is no fear in love, but perfect love, perfect love, cast out fear for fear has to do with punishment whoever fears has not been perfected in love we're talking about motivation here and then daniel reminded the little ones we love because he first loved us if anyone says i love god and hates his brother he's a liar for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love god whom he has not seen And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God, you can underline this word. And these are words that we don't always like to underline, but it's there. Look what it says. Whoever loves God must. The choice is removed from us. Must 
also love his brother. Every boy and lady that exists as part of the body of Christ. The Apostle John is writing here, and he's telling us what? Love between believers is not a sign of maturity. It's a sign of salvation. It's a sign of saving faith. And I know, like, you're pressing us here. What about process of sanctification? We, are all, we have a long way to go. But at some level, we have to know, when we're in the starting gates, we have to know what we're committing to. So let me say that again. The Apostle John is saying that, that love between believers is not something, hopefully, that maybe I'll just get, like, you'll just wear me down enough that I'll start loving you. No. Love between believers is a sign of saving faith. So when churches attract Christians only as consumers, we're failing to tell them the whole truth about what it really means to be a Christian. We're saying this is what we do. Many people still think, yeah, but we live in a consumer-minded society. We are consumers. And that's true. We do consume. So let's scratch people where they itch. And if it works, it works. Which brings us to the second point. Comfort-based commitment doesn't necessarily demonstrate the gospel's supernatural power. Something big happens within us when we commit to follow the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our life. Remember I spoke um, way back. It is August. It is August already. So we began this series, I think, in the first part of June, end of May, maybe officially the end of May. And I began with this idea of unity and diversity. And I talked very clearly about the what? That relationships exist when the Holy Spirit works within us to expand kind of our love capacity to, to love people that maybe we would never have anything in common with. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. That the gospel draws people together when we have nothing in common. We didn't go to the same school together. Maybe there's little ones, but there's people that are older, and that's how it draws us together. There's the haves and the have-nots. We draw together, men and women. We're drawn together. That's an indication of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And the depth of commitment in a church should say something about the supernatural work of the gospel in our lives. What motivates us is not us. That's totally different from what the world is saying. What motivates us is not us. If we constantly kind of ease down the path of comfort-based commitment, there's really nothing different than civic-minded organizations that exist in our community. There's nothing different there. We're like the Kiwanis Club or 4-H, which are good things, but people are drawn together. Why? Because they have something in common. The Moose Club. People are used to committing to things that they get something from. That's how consumerism works. The church enters, and it's totally different. Supernatural commitment is dependent upon, I wrote initially something, but I think it's dependent upon someone that I cannot see. Flip back with me to the Gospel of John. 
And we see here, in a sense, what has been gifted to us as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 15, verses 26 and 27. We know here that Jesus is beginning to end his earthly ministry, and he's announcing, in a sense, that, that I'm, I'm leaving you. But, and here we go. John chapter 15, we pick it up in verse 26. But when the helper comes, capital H, whom I will send to you from the Father, what, what, a, what, a, what a beautiful summary statement of the entire Trinity at work together as one. When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you have, seen, you have been with me from the beginning. Continue on the next chapter down to verses 13 and 14. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. What is happening here? He's speaking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit who enables us toward bearing witness, we just read that, of Jesus' love. We just read in chapter 16, what? The Holy Spirit enables us toward guiding us in the truth of Jesus' love. Something is at work within inside of us. This draws us to our second major point, commitment to the local church membership, I believe, is calling-based. It's not comfort-based. It's calling-based. A church that values membership is different because it requires something. And here it is. This is going to be the stick. It requires commitment up front. Which means, in a sense, you decide to promise to love a group of Christians. You decide to love your brothers and sisters in Christ in a deep and a sacrificial way even before you actually know them very well. And you're like, wow, that sounds totally crazy. So your commitment isn't based on feelings. Feelings of attachment or comfort or even belonging. Instead, what happens? Commitment that you make is, is simply because that's what it means to follow Jesus. You make a commitment that says, I'm one. And I'm here to what? Be alongside. Let me remind you this. It's always with others. It's never alone. You go back to 1 John. It says that every person who recognizes they are loved by God at salvation will love other Christians. Period. No exceptions. And what happens is that we stop viewing church 
commitment as a process over time and we see it as an event at the point of salvation in a sense i have to take this step i'm called to take this step i have to love other people i can't do it myself but the holy spirit enables me to do that and this event at our salvation and commitment is what something inevitably that follows. And yes, there is a period of sanctification, progressive sanctification, where eventually we are given more capacity through the ministry of the Holy Spirit when we surrender and submit to him and his word. But, but we understand there has to be a step of faith. We make a significant commitment up front because that's what Christians do. And that's calling based now before i kind of like terrify you with oh my goodness are you telling me that i really have to like i must i want all we we want everything out on the table understand first and foremost romans chapter 12 this is going to cost you it is sacrificial so we see what commitment to local church membership that is calling base is sacrificial romans chapter 12 says it like this in verse 13 contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse them i love this rejoice with those who rejoice weep with those who weep live in harmony with one another do not be haughty but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Which means what? When we step in at this moment of what I would say, in a sense, immediate command, this is what it looks like, then what? It's going to include, and it's truly going to be alongside of others in the midst of their celebrations, as well as their sadness. We rejoice with those who rejoice. And sometimes that is really hard. When the person gets the promotion that you were hoping for. It's really hard when someone gets, what, the, the spouse that, that, that you were hoping to get, or the, the baby that you were hoping to get. Or the new car that you, you celebrate truly alongside of it. And we don't have the ability. In our, so the Holy Spirit gives us that. And we truly come alongside of and we minister to one another. We truly weep. And we bear one another's burdens. We should share and give our time. I appreciated Pastor Stewart and, and the little one's announcement. That is so important for us. I, I was so encouraged. I have to just kind of step back for a moment. Remember our Awana ministry? Like we're launching into like new territory where we've not had really children's ministry for little ones. And then we took a big step of faith because we decided as elders, as we're praying to us, we can't cannibalize other ministries just to kind of come on to the, like, now we have Awana. We, we can't do that. And so we had set a goal that if we're going to launch into a want of ministry, we're going to hit at least 15. Hopefully 20 would be ideal. 15 to 20, that's a huge step for, for to commitment every single Wednesday. And they, they gave uh, an opportunity to kind of be a part and, and had an exploratory meeting to ask questions. You realize it was 33 people 
many of them not, many of you not involved in other ministries for the first time. And you don't, forgive me, but you don't know the little ones that are going to be coming in. You don't know them. And yet you've already made a sense of commitment. I'm going to love the little sticky fingers and the runny noses. Like, I'm going to do that. You understand? That's kind of what it means. This is going to be sacrificial. Another thing when we talk about calling-based commitment is learn this. It is consistent. It happens regularly. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 tells us that the Christian life is one where we do not neglect meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day, the day drawing near. Reminds you of the, the clock that does not stop. Okay? Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. To be a Christian is to join with other Christians on a regular basis. Can I pause again and just commend you as a body of believers? On more than one occasion, I will be driving up this road on a Sunday morning, and I will whisper to Wendy, I hope, I hope somebody shows up today. I hope somebody shows up. And you are faithful. And I commend you for that because I know the challenge of what corralling the little ones and breakfast and find the two shoes that kind of look a little bit alike. I understand the sacrifice of what writing a check that says I'm going to offer this to the Lord because I know it's important to have missionaries supported around the globe. And I commend you for your faithfulness. Thirdly, understand this, it's also encouraging. Hopefully when you leave on a Sunday morning, there's a little bit more of a breath of fresh air that says, you know what, I'm not alone in my struggles. It's encouraging. It says what earlier in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, which means you're going to have to, you're going to have to, you're going to have to have conversations with ones. How can I encourage my brother in the Lord who's really gone through a difficult chapter? How can I come alongside my sister, the young mom, the person who's losing their aging parents, and encourage them on to good works? To encourage one another literally means to strengthen one another in our faith. If you are a Christian, you are committed to do this. It's not only for your own spiritual well-being, but helping others every single time to fight the good fight of faith, knowing that the enemy is alive and active and desires to devour and to destroy. Fourthly, understand that this commitment is safe. Matthew chapter 18, and, and we talk about this in membership classes, and when we make a covenant together publicly, this is the part of what scripture that sometimes people would say it's stinging or it's, it's not helpful or it's unloving or there's no grace. No, no, this is a safe root for us. In Matthew chapter 18, it talks about the fact what happens when someone sins against you as a brother or sister and we have instruction, go to them, go alone to them and say, do you realize, do you realize what you're doing this is not right. This is not helpful. This is not edifying. This is not glorifying to God. This is not going to exalt the name of the Lord Jesus Christ with that type of language or that type of behavior. 
When you plead with a brother or sister, you're not judging them in the sense of I'm better. You're coming alongside of them. It's as if your brother or your sister hears you, you've gained them. If they've not, then what? Then take another brother or sister with you and go to them. And two of you in tears, pleading, please stop, you're in dangerous territory here. Sadly, what? And we've had to experience this in our own body in Matthew chapter 18. It says, if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. It implies what? You have to tell the entire body that my brother, that my sister has sinned, is, is ensnared in sin, entrapped in sin, and we've reminded them over a period of time and we've lovingly come alongside to seek restoration, but they're not hearing us. And it says, tell it to the church. And then what? At some level, you, you separate from them. As hard as that is, always with the purpose of restoring them to the faith, but this is safe for us. I want people to help me in my walk. Notice as well, it's interesting here that the authority doesn't lie in the pastor's hands. The final authority doesn't lie in the elder's hands. It lies in the congregation. That you are the ones to assist others to make sure that our life walk matches our talk. And when there's inconsistency, that's what we have to speak into. We have to, in a sense, be very, very clear not to be deceived by the enemy to say that we can live however you want. No, Scripture is very clear. God forbid we don't live like that. And then finally, know that this commitment is formal. There, there is something to it. It's not just this flowing fluid. I'm kind of in and out. No, no, there's a point that, that we are clear in the commitment that we have made to the local church. And we formalize it. And people say, well, yeah, but you can't say that there's a verse in the Bible, thou shalt be a member of the local church. But, but, but consider the totality of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 explains about the responsibility that we have. And it says what? In verses 12 and 13, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. I know that may be a hard phrase, but the words I want to direct your attention to are these words inside and outside. Like scripture itself says what? We have a responsibility to make sure we assist one another in living holy lives. Those inside, then who's inside? It can't be just someone who comes inside the building. It's one who's inside made a formal commitment to be what? Connected to the body of Christ. And those outside. And we don't point fingers and throw rocks and judge those outside. That's God's responsibility. Same idea applies in Hebrews chapter 13, 17, when it says that we are to submit to leaders. Why? Because they are to give account. How are leaders supposed to know who they're to give account for? That we are to shepherd the souls. Well, what souls is the pastor and elder responsible for? Unless we at some level say, I'm in. I want this. And I understand that individuals have sadly suffered in the past. There has been tragedy and there has been abuse for, for, for people that have lorded over people in, in, in church membership. And that is wrong. And I believe that at some level people are, are literally hurt from that. 
And so they shy away from church membership. Totally understandable. But, but I have such love and appreciation for respect that says, you know what, Pastor? I, I've struggled with this, this in the past. And so I'm not quite ready at this moment, but I do want to submit to the pastoral authority. And I do want to be held accountable. And I do want to sacrifice and serve. I think that's even more important than just the name that goes on a file and goes into a box somewhere. We have a responsibility of, yes, saying there is a formal commitment, but we also extend the reality of grace in the midst of that. We, we, we see the illustration, I want to close with this, that Tim Keller, the late, sounds odd to say that, the late Tim Keller. Tim Keller uses the analogy of marriage and you might, that's a little bit of a stretch. Just hold off. Listen to me on this. Keller says this, when the Bible speaks of love, it measures it primarily not by how much you want to receive, but by how much you're willing to give of yourself to someone. How much are you willing to lose for the sake of the other person? How much of your freedom are you willing to forsake? How much of your precious time and emotion and resources are you willing to invest for that person? And for that, the marriage vow is not just helpful, but is even a test. We hear this in our world. In so many cases, when one person says it to another, I love you, but let's not ruin it by getting married, that person is really saying, I don't love you enough to close off all my options. I don't love you enough to give myself to you that thoroughly. I say I don't need a piece of paper to love you is basically saying my love for you has not reached the marriage level. So when we think about that same illustration or analogy of membership in marriage, it's really about not what am I going to get. If you ever go into a marriage saying, well, I'm going to get all of this, there's trouble. It's the opposite. How much am I willing to offer? How much am I willing to give? And, and, I, and I understand very clearly that, well, marriage and church membership, there are some differences. And I would agree to that. One is till death do us part. The other one is until we move away. Understandable. And we're to connect with another body. So we know that it eventually breaks down, but we do understand the importance of commitment. So let me leave you with a couple things very quickly, closing in application. What do we do if we're kind of wrestling through this? I, I'm going to say this, join the church. Like at, at some level, you're weighing, well, I, I kind of feel a little bit comfortable. There's a couple things that just aren't perfect. Well, yes, they're not perfect. There is no perfect church. There's no perfect pastor, perfect elders. There's no perfect place, no perfect everything. And so we're going to commit to this. We commit to follow Jesus we're also committing to love other people like Jesus loved other people. So in a sense, that's what I'm calling you and asking you to do. You'll see within the next couple weeks, a new membership class is being offered. And it'll be rigorous. We're going to look at about six weeks where we're gathering together. We'll do it as a Sunday school um, class. Pastor Aaron's going to lead it. And I would say, let's, let's, let's commit to this. Let's be in. Secondly, invest in relationships. 
Aside from showing up just on Sunday, or maybe a casual wave or a wink on the way out the door, I believe that what? It goes deeper than that. Remember, it's safe to be in relationship holding one another accountable. It's, it's safe to live life in a way that we connect in small groups where we can confess sin to one another and confess our struggles to one another, assist one another in a very difficult time, in a very difficult world. And then thirdly, I leave you with this, commit to love the entire body, not just some. Kind of back full circle to where we started. It's not just about hanging with those that you connect with or would, would normally relate to. The power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives means that we kind of mix up the groups. And we hang with people rather than just one small group or people that have a certain personality that we're drawn to or because we share a profession together. The practical difference between calling-based community and convert-based community is that calling-based community stretches us to form relationships that are not comfortable. And I love that. Because guess what? You and I aren't done yet. God is still working in us by his grace alone. Our culture tells us only commit as long as you feel comfortable. The church enters and it's totally different. I am so thankful that Jesus loved us and loved me when it wasn't comfortable for him. He suffered on our behalf. He offered his own life to bleed and to die on the cross so that we could have new life. And what? Jesus says, I come to offer life more abundantly, bigger and better than what the world has to offer. I am so grateful for the fact that there's a holy God and even us in our own sinfulness can have an intimate relationship. Every day we enjoy his presence. He speaks to us. He reveals himself to us through the beauty of his creation, through the beauty of his word, and through the beauty of the local church of Jesus Christ. We have so much to be grateful for. We have so much to be thankful and to celebrate God's goodness and grace in our lives. I hope you've learned a little bit about the importance and priority and commitment of church membership. Father, we love you. We need your help as we strive to be obedient in all all areas that your word reveals to us. We love you, and we thank you for our lo your love for us. In your name we pray, amen.